Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. In terms of leading, you know, when you get to the point where you're leading a, a larger organization, and this is an area where I've seen others really struggle with, is got to be okay elevating other people. You have to be willing to replicate yourself and not do everything yourself. And you have to be comfortable with watching and helping others grow in their professional careers and not let that fear or insecurity step in when others start to be really great at their jobs. Because what happens is if you prove that you can elevate others, you naturally start to grow in your career as well. And I've seen others, you know, kind of fall down the path of, you know, if I'm, if I'm helping these people grow, then what am I going to be needed here for? Right. And and I I could, the one recommendation I have is be confident in what you have and what you do and be proud to pass that on to others. Hello and welcome to Inside Out. My name is Billy Samoa Salibi and I'm your host. Through interviews and case studies, I examine how transformational insights have helped propel the lives and careers of exceptionally successful people. These major breakthrough moments teach valuable lessons that will help us in business and in life. Today's guest is Lacey Minchin, a talent acquisition executive with 15 years of high volume recruiting and leadership experience. I met Lacey almost 10 years ago when she helped to recruit the amazing sales teams we were building at Varengo Solar, and where ultimately she became the head of talent acquisition. As you will see, Lacey is the perfect example of how to have career advancement, as she has a knack for being promoted over and over again. For the last five years, she was at Sunrun, the largest residential solar installer in the United States. While there, she started as a senior recruiter, was promoted numerous times, and left as the head of the entire talent acquisition department. Clearly, Lacey knows what it takes to move up within a company, and I'm excited for her to share her tips in this episode. On the show, Lacey shares how a job early in her career taught her how to face rejection, motivate her team, and relentlessly recruit. She also reveals what discipline she had to learn at work after becoming a mother, what she means when she says it's important to be your own culture driver, and why a strong leader must be okay with replicating themselves. Lacey provides tips on career advancement, strategies for developing relationships with colleagues, and valuable insights for anyone who's seeking a job, including tips on what to do before, during, and after the interview. 
This includes a simple yet effective way to wow potential employers after the interview, a secret tip she has for getting noticed on LinkedIn, the biggest mistake a job candidate can make, and what basic core competencies are critical for just about any role. Lacey also discusses what it's like to be in the talent acquisition space, including giving us a peek into the day in the life of a recruiter, sharing the keys to success to finding rockstar talent, and the single most important quality a great recruiter must possess. Lacey also lets us know what habits she developed to help prepare her for every interaction and meeting, and what bad habit she broke that was negatively impacting how she started her day. Lacey shares so many tactical tips and insights, and I'm truly excited to share her knowledge on this episode of Inside Out. Lacey mentioned, welcome to Insight Out. Well, thank you, Billy. I'm excited to be here. I am so thrilled to have you on the show. And you and I have known each other for years. You know, your story is an interesting one, and, and I'll let you tell it in a moment. But one of the things I want to highlight is you really embody all of the traits, characteristics, and attitude that it takes to be successful, no matter what you set off to do. You were a successful entrepreneur. And then every company that you've worked with, you've managed to start as an individual contributor, move up into a leadership role, and then leave at the top, at the pinnacle of the talent acquisition space that you're in. And so it stands to reason that the listener of this show will be excited to hear from you. You've done an incredible job of positioning yourself with the companies that you're with and making a name for yourself. And when I got to meet you back in the Varengo Solar days, you instantly impressed me because of your energy, your passion, and your enthusiasm. I'm a big enthusiasm guy, as you know. I love people that are positive, that are excited about life, and that really have this take no prisoners attitude that's going to get the job done and do it really, really well. And so Let's get started with your story. Uh, I'd love to hear your background. You know, as I said, you, you started and you had an, a business that you had early in your career. So I want to learn about that. But then in the Varengo days, and you moved up the ranks there, and then at Sunrun, the same thing. Give us a flavor of your story and your background. Well, first of all, thank you. That is quite a compliment. I really appreciate it. And I could talk for hours upon end about how fantastic you are, but. My background. So my first role out of college was B2B outside sales, 100% commission job. And my parents thought I was insane. Everybody thought I was insane. Actually, everybody called me the Chandler Bing of the family, which means nobody knew what I did. But um, it was pretty, it was pretty incredible waking up every single day and learning how to just get prepared for rejection and how to train your mindset to overcome no's one after the other, after the other, after the other, until really you just brush them off. And so 
I did that for a couple of years out of, right after college, and I was offered an opportunity to open up my own office, start my own business. And I took that opportunity. I was the youngest owner in this larger hub of our organization. I was 22 years old. And what I did was, is I managed anywhere between, it could be 20 at the time to upwards of 50 or 60 outside sales reps, same thing, 100% commission, B2B reps that are selling credit card processing. And the interesting thing about that sale is you're lucky if you get one a day. So the rejection is really high. There's no appointment set. It's 100% cold calling. And I learned the world running that business because I learned how to stay really strong for individuals that are having a really tough day. I learned how to recruit like a mad person because you can only imagine the attrition when people have a couple bad days in a row. You're constantly recruiting. It's actually where I fell in love with recruiting. And I learned how to motivate people. I learned how to run motivational meetings every single morning. I learned how to, we used to have this saying where the hardest door to open is your car door, meaning the hardest thing you're going to do all day long is psych yourself up to get out there and get shot down, right? Because it is a tough job. Sales, you know, cold calling sales is not easy. And I have so much respect for everybody that does it and that can handle the rejection. And It was really that job, that company that I was running, that job that turned into running my own business that really helped me fall in love with recruiting and, you know, selling opportunity and helping people put food on the table and support their families and, you know, help people find out what their vision is and what their passion is. And so I moved into recruiting and I had a few recruiting jobs. One was in the education space. One was in the healthcare space. And about almost a decade ago, I was introduced into solar which completely changed, really, it changed my life. I started off as the first part-time sales recruiter. This is when I started working with you, Billy. And there was nothing set up. I had to write job descriptions. I had to post ads. I had to get our ATS system set up. ATS is basically your applicant tracking system. It's the database recruiters use to keep track of all the candidates you talk to. And with that opportunity, I was able to First move into a sales recruiting manager role where I reported directly into the VP of sales and I managed a handful of sales recruiters because it was high volume in terms of recruiting salespeople and and canvassers at the time. Did pretty well in that role and was offered an opportunity to step into the director of talent acquisition at Verango. And I was the first person in that role as well. And I ran the entire recruitment function, everything from GNA, executive placement, professionals, all the way to the operations side, meaning the installers, electricians, foremen, and the canvassers and sales reps. So you name it, it fell under me. That's when I had my first manager on my team. So I learned how to lead leaders and as well as how to coach um, managers to becoming leaders to have them learn to motivate the individuals on their team and you know have goals, have vision, cast a vision, and so on. And once I was the director of TA for a while, I decided to transition my career over to Sunrun. Sunrun is the largest residential solar installer in the country, and the solar installer is one of the, if not the fastest growing jobs in the country. So I definitely saw it as a challenge and I wanted to be a part of it. So I actually walked away from my role as head of recruitment at Varengo to step into a senior recruiter role, which is 
an individual contributor role. And again, built my career from there. So as I started as a senior recruiter, recruiting sales reps and canvassers, I was promoted into a similar role that I had at Varengo, which was a manager of talent acquisition. But this time I oversaw the retail side. So Sunrun's partnered with very large retailers and they needed a strong recruiting team that can produce at a high volume, produce consistency and results, and be able to deliver uh, predictive analytics around where where we plan to land with a certain amount of time between where we're we're asked for hiring needs and when we can actually deliver upon that, meaning when uh, individuals actually start their start date. So I ran up a couple of retailers pretty quickly, and then I moved into a senior manager role of talent acquisition, where essentially I oversaw everything in recruiting, with the exception of actually recruiting, meaning recruiting events or employment branding. It was our first chance at diversity recruitment. So I oversaw diversity recruitment, anything along those lines. And I I had that role for a pretty quick period of time. It was only about three months where I was offered an opportunity to head up the TA organization at Sunrun as a senior director of TA. And that was my last position. And that was definitely my favorite role in my career thus far. I had a team of about 60 or so, a combination of direct a director, managers, recruiting operations, recruiting coordinators, and of course, a ton of the most talented recruiters in the industry. And um, we also, about six months ago, we implemented an RPO. So we expanded to an even more efficient model. And we ran, I mean, we were staffing four or 5,000 hires a year at an incredible pace. Um, and we were doing it in such a cost-effective manner, an efficient manner, and a scalable manner that it's actually something that I'm incredibly proud of. And I was able to see a handful of individuals progress through their careers, career as well. So numerous promotions for those on my team and really just thought, you know, was able to see firsthand some phenomenal, hardworking, incredibly de- dedicated and talented individuals progress to their career. What a story. If there's not a better success story out there, I mean, when I first met you, you were a part-time recruiter, recruiting canvassers and, and some sales reps, and your career evolved to being the head of talent acquisition at the largest solar company in the country. And it's a testimony to you and the hard work that you've put in and the grit, the determination and the attitude that you have. It doesn't surprise me that your career took this kind of trajectory. It, it really doesn't, Lacey, because I know you, I know what you're capable of. And I saw the glint in your eye, the, the determination. Again, it's kind of how I started the show. It's this, it's this attitude that you have has allowed for your success and the incredible results at the end of the day uh, of the all the work that you've put in. And so this show is all about insights. It's about those moments in our lives where we look inward and we have a moment that it's an aha moment. It's a type of moment that as we look back, it's a pivot point in our life that allowed us to reach the level of success that we've had. And so for you, you're again, you're a great example for this show, which is why I've been so excited to have you on. As you look back and reflect on your life, what are those discoveries or realizations or moments of insight that have really played an instrumental role in your career and in your life? 
two come to mind. One is more on the personal side and one is more on the professional side, but two really come to mind that completely altered my way of thinking, what I prioritize as important and so on. So first, uh, without question, is becoming a mother. Having kids completely changes your priorities, the way you spend your time. Why Why do you work? Why? Why do you work so hard, right? I mean, before... Before I was a mom, I still love working, but I worked to progress my career. And that was the end goal was, you know, to learn as much as I could and be a sponge. And, you know, with every opportunity for advancement, I would soak it up. And yeah, you know, you get those jitters every time you take on something new of, can I really do this? Right. And then you accomplish it and you get really good at it. And then you get offered another opportunity. So that was my mindset before of, keep growing, keep growing professionally. But as soon as I became a mom, everything changed. The why behind why I was working was no longer for, you know, how, how far can I grow in my professional career? It was, how can I support my family? How can I be an example? How can I set the right example of my, for my daughters? I have two daughters around how to, how to be a leader, how to be confident, how to be successful and also how to maintain that balance, right? And one of the challenges I found early on when my first daughter was pretty young is really just is shutting it down at the end of the day, right? Because your kids, when they get older, and even when they're younger, but your kids don't know the difference when you're on your phone and you're working or if you're just on your phone, you know, spacing out. They don't know any different. All they know is you're not with them. You're not with them you're not playing with them. You're not focusing on them. And that and that's hurtful. It can grow to be very hurtful. So I really had to learn discipline around myself. I've never had the challenge of to be disciplined to work hard. It was to be disciplined to shut it off. And that was new for me. And it, it didn't happen right away. It definitely took some time. And I still work on it to this day. And, you know, I'll leave my phone in the other room. I'll close the door to my office because I, I do work remotely. So that was another challenge where I had to separate the home and work, right? Because the two cannot blend. And being a mom just completely changed my outlook on why do I work and, and what is the point behind it? So that's definitely one without question. The other is more on the professional side and it was a phone call. So this was years ago. I was, I was a... Uh, high volume recruiter. I was, I mean, just to set the stage, I had a rec load of at least 50 or 60 recs, uh, meaning job openings that were staring at me and all of them were urgent. It's a joke in recruiting that everything's urgent. <laughs> um, all of them were urgent. And I had at least 30 or 40 emails that were unread. And, you know, again, all of them are urgent. And I'm back to back on phone screens and I get this call. And usually when you get a call, you you know you answer it and you, you quickly try to figure out who's on the other end because you t- it's it's very common to talk to 40, 50 people a day, right? Between your hiring managers and your you know your manager, your peers, and of course candidates. So I got this call out of the blue. It wasn't set in my schedule, and after speaking with the individual for just a couple of minutes, I quickly remembered that he was somebody that I had recruited roughly about a year ago. And he ended up getting hired and he was, he was wonderful. He had a fantastic interview, but it'd been some time that I'd spoken with him. So of course my curiosity was piqued. Why was he calling? And he told me that when he, 
he made a promise to himself that when he hit his one-year anniversary with the company, that he would give me a call and tell me that the impact that I had on him to repay the favor. So what had happened a year ago was he was having a very difficult time, right? Relationship issues, financial issues, you name it, really struggling. And he really gave himself about a week, a week before he gave up, right? That's all he disclosed. He gave himself a week. And if if nothing good happened within that week, he was going to give up. And on the seventh day, I called him and we had an interview and it was a fantastic interview. He got the job. It turned his life around. He was now um, financially set. He had a goal. He had a vision. And every single thing in his life had turned around from that one phone call. And he made that promise and he stuck to it. On his one-year anniversary, he called me to thank me and basically said that I had changed his life and saved his life. So that was the moment that I stepped back and realized the impact that recruiting has on so many others that you can't even fathom how many lives you're changing. When you're a recruiter, your phone call after phone call, especially in high volume, you know, when you're on the professional side, you don't speak to as many people, but you have much more in-depth, lengthy conversations with the individuals that you do speak to. But it's very easy to get stuck in your bubble of hiring targets and recs to fill and so on. And that was the moment that it all stopped for me. And I realized, you know, not only the impact that you have on the company that you're working for, right? You're expanding the workforce, you're building talent and so on, but you're changing lives, right? You're putting food on the table, you're supporting families, and you're giving people hope. And there's no way to quantify it or ever know how much impact you have. But that changed everything. So as I started to manage others and manage leaders who also manage others, that was the one thing. That was the one story I remind them is don't get stuck in your bubble. Remember what you get to do every single day. And what a really cool thing to say you do for a living. Yeah, you're changing lives. And at the end of the day, you have the ability and the power really to impact the trajectory of of people that you're meeting with on a daily basis. And that's a pretty big responsibility and also one that you could feel great about because to this story is just one example of probably hundreds, if not thousands of people that you and your team have affected. And then I love your point about being able to turn it off. I think that's something that a lot of us battle with, especially with us driver types that are hardworking. We want to do our best work always. And so that often means that we work a long day and we just put in the time to grind and and get the job done. Especially when you have a child, the priorities do reset. They do change. And it's no longer just about you. It's no longer just about your career. You now have another person to think about, which I love the word you use. You said you, you manage yourself. And I think that's important when we look at sort of misnomer of time management. Well, you can't really manage time. You can only manage how you utilize your time and how you prioritize and how you set yourself up to allow yourself to have that time that's for your family and time that's for work. And it does take some discipline, as you said, and a commitment to allow yourself to not be too one-dimensional and too focused on, say, work, for example. So Lacey, let me ask you this. What do you feel are the keys to your success? Because again, you're the shining example of 
starting in an individual contributor role and then elevating your career to be at the pinnacle of your field, what are some of the keys that you recognize as critical to your success? I'll answer this in a couple ways because I'll answer it in one, you know, areas where I think that I've been successful at, as well as areas where I've seen others not be so successful in. So first of all, you have to be hungry and you have to stay hungry. You have to be dedicated and you have to be resilient in recruiting. It's, it's constant change. That's the one thing you rely on is change. And if you're not resilient and you cannot look at challenges and you know be excited about challenges or be solution oriented, you're really going to struggle. And without a doubt, you're not going to move up. And in terms of staying hungry, it's not just being hungry for, you know, what's coming around the corner. It's really wanting to improve what's around you, whether it's more visibility for the individuals that you support, or it's more insight into how well you've performed or how poorly you've performed and be able to look at, look very critically and objectively at some of your areas of strengths and areas of weaknesses. And you have to be able to be okay with asking for feedback and asking for feedback from anyone, from a 360 point of view, from your peers, from your manager, from your clients, from your candidates. So you can constantly grow and get better at what you do every day. I'd say in terms of setting the right landscape for yourself is I would encourage anyone listening to to really be your own culture driver. And what, what do I mean by that? I mean, If you want to work in an environment of positivity, then you're responsible for creating that environment. One thing I would do, I started once a week and then I started doing it once a day and it became quite natural after a while. It takes practice is you, the best thing you can do is give a genuine compliment to one person. Again, start with once a week, then once a day. And make it genuine. And what happens after a while is you no longer have to remember. And you start to genuinely appreciate the people around you. And in turn, they start to appreciate you. And you start building solid working relationships based on trust and respect. And that's critical, especially when the times are tough. You have people that you can lean on and people that you know really believe that you have their best interests at heart and you appreciate that work, their work. So it, really creating that environment of positivity has absolutely helped me. And it's really helped, you know, in times of when I have, you know, a certain a problem that I, I need some support, people jump in, they want to help you. And I would do the same for others. I'd say in terms of leading, you know, when you get to the point where you're leading a, a larger organization and this is an area where I've seen others really struggle with, is got to be okay elevating other people. You have to be willing to replicate yourself and not do everything yourself. And you have to be comfortable with watching and helping others grow in their professional careers and not let that fear or insecurity step in when others start to be really great at their jobs. Because what happens is if you prove that you can elevate others, you naturally start to grow in your career as well. And I've seen others, you know, kind of fall 
down the path of, you know, if I'm, if I'm helping these people grow, then what am I going to be needed here for? Right. And, and I, I could, the one recommendation I have is be confident in what you have and what you do and be proud to pass that on to others. Man, such fantastic words of wisdom. I don't know where to begin, but one of the things that you talked about was feedback and, and feedback is a gift and you have to seek it out and you have to be open to accepting and embracing that feedback. I loved your tip on just complimenting someone and, and make it genuine, not a, a phony compliment just for the sake of trying to win somebody over, but an actual genuine compliment. It helps you build those relationships. It helps you further forge a bond with those that you work with. And then your last point on elevating those that you work with, this to me is the greatest recipe for being a success as a leader. You can't think that by helping others achieve success that somehow you're going to make yourself obsolete or redundant or that they're going to take your job. That is a operating in a mode of fear and it, it, it's, but it's very common. And so mm-hmm. what a fantastic recommendation and something that I think the leaders that are listening, if you are afraid of helping your team for fear that they're going to somehow pass you up, that's backwards thinking and you got to get over it. And really it's the exact opposite. The more you help other people succeed, the more you yourself will succeed. Let's talk about a day in the life for the those that either don't know or they're curious about how you set yourself up for success as a talent acquisition leader or even as an individual contributor. I'm, I'm sure there, there, there's differences and nuances, but maybe if you could highlight some of the things that go into the daily activities for somebody in the talent acquisition space, how you set yourself up for success on a daily basis. Sure. So... It- being a recruiter and being a leader of recruiters, they definitely are different in your day-to-day activities. So as a recruiter, it is very common to be on the phone all day long. So you have to, anyone's looking to get into the recruiting world, number one, I highly recommend it. It's so much fun and incredibly rewarding, but it is very challenging. So if you're picturing, you usually have two screens up. You've got one screen that's looking at somebody's resume. You've got another screen that's your applicant tracking system. You're fully focused on either the phone call that you're in. If you're, if you're doing a phone interview, you're fully focused and you completely shut out everything around you and you are 100% in on that conversation. You're not thinking about anything else. You're completely zoned in on that individual and giving that person the respect they deserve because they should be interviewing you just as much as you're interviewing them. And it's one after the other, after the other, after the other. And what's really cool about recruiting is you're a professional matchmaker. So you're thinking about what the hiring manager is looking for, whether it's the unique skill sets or the core competencies or uh, something you know as, as simple as the location or the hours, the logistics of the role. And you're, you're listening to the individual that you're interviewing. And you're determining whether or not this is a good fit to progress forward to meet with that hiring manager. You're also a coach. You're coaching your hiring manager on uh, what some some individual, the, the individual that's being set up, the candidate, what their strengths are, what you've noticed, or p- perhaps some questions that they, the hiring manager should further probe on, some areas of their background that you think the hiring manager would find unique or interesting. So you're, you're coaching the hiring manager, you're supporting the hiring manager, you're a strategic partner for the hiring manager, 
And then you're that point of contact for the candidate. So it's a lot of multitasking. It's you have to be a phenomenal communicator. um, And you have to be able to communicate with individuals in all levels of their career, right? Entry level all the way up to to C-suite, depending upon which requisitions you're filling. That's the recruiter. The a recruiting leader has different responsibilities. A lot of recruiting leaders hold down requisitions as well, which means that they're also recruiting and filling. Usually harder to fill positions, but recruiting leaders are constantly removing obstacles and providing clarity and visibility for the recruiters on their team in terms of targets and goals and providing better tools and resources and really staying abreast of the technology that's out there so that the recruiter on their team can do a, a really great job at finding top talent and finding it quickly. High volume recruiting leaders are also really responsible for partnering when it comes to headcount forecasting because it's important you know what's coming down three months, four months, six months, nine months, 12 months down the pipeline so that you can staff your team up and scale appropriately so that all of your recruiters can have enough time to fill their requisitions, whatever they are and wherever they're located. So it's a lot of controlling chaos in a way and funneling and filtering information so that your recruiters have clear direction and the hiring managers have visibility into what's happening. Yeah. I mean, I I love what you said about creating that clear path, that runway and then removing obstacles and just making their jobs as streamlined as possible so that they can be as effective as possible. I think this is true with any leadership role. And I'm certain that in the recruiting talent acquisition space, it's even more so because you are moving so quickly and it always is a fire drill. It always is an emergency. Everything needs to be done and done quickly. So that could be somewhat stressful for a recruiter, I would imagine. And so as their leader, providing that clarity, providing that runway for them to have the maximum amount of effectiveness and efficiency as they go about their day. What are some of the traits or characteristics that you found to be present in the people in your field? If you're to look at all of your peers and those that you've reported to in the past and and those that have reported to you, what's that it factor? What are those common themes that exist amongst those in the TA space? I'd say you'd have to be extremely personable and authentic in your delivery. Nobody wants to have an interview set up and you feel like you're just another number, right? What an awful feeling. So an individual who can really be personable and build solid relationships with candidate after candidate after candidate is key and stay extremely organized is another. I think the best recruiters are the best storytellers. They can describe a business in a way that's very easily absorbable to someone who may be even unfamiliar with the industry, as well as be able to paint a candidate's background in a way that a hiring manager can quickly say, okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's a great fit, right? So phenomenal storytellers. And I'd say the most important, above all, the most important skill you can have to be a great recruiter is to be a phenomenal listener. It, when you're conducting an interview, you're, you, you definitely want to listen more than you speak and ask the right kind of questions, ask open-ended questions. And it's not just about listening to what the candidate says, it's how they say it and the tonality of their voice. And when do they pause? When do they seem uncomfortable? When do they seem extremely comfortable and be able to guide a candidate through an interview where you're getting the absolute best 
uh, understanding of that candidate's not only background, but really what they're looking for, because that's equally as important that the company they're, they're interviewing for is going to be a good fit for them. Um, and being able to probe past surface level answers, right? And being able to trust your gut. And yeah, that doesn't really seem like whether, you know, you'll get some dishonest answers and you you can tell, you do enough interviews, you can tell where someone might not be being, you know, fully disclosing some of the challenges or an example would be reasons for leaving previous companies and being okay and comfortable and professional enough to probe in areas where you can really understand and paint the picture because it's important that when you're recommending a candidate to a hiring manager, that you're recommending someone that's going to be there for the long haul and is going to be believe in the vision, the mission, the vision of the company and really fit not only the company culture, but the team culture in which the hiring manager operates. Yeah. And I think when you're finding the best candidates out there, you're selling, right? You're, you're as a recruiter, you're, you're a salesperson and stories sell, right? So it's not just about uh, them impressing you. You have to be able to articulate the vision the mission, the values, why is it that this is the right place for them to work in such a way that you're going to attract the the highest level talent? That's so, so important. And then your point on listening and probing, I mean, this is, you take it for granted because clearly, you you know, anyone would, would know that to be so important. Yet I've seen it happen. I know you've seen it happen where the recruiter's thinking about their next question instead of listening, or they're thinking about something else. And so getting zeroed in, having the focus to really truly listen, as you said, listen more than you speak so that you can hear from them. And then not just accepting their first answer as the only answer, because you know, you go second, third level deep, you're really going to get a better response, a more, I would say, genuine answer to the question that you've asked if you just accept their first answer as the answer, you're not really uncovering the true answer to their to the question that you've just asked. So such great points. And I know that that as you have had your career path, one of the things that you've been a master of is setting up rituals and habits to allow yourself to flourish. And so I'm curious as you think about your routine and your day-to-day what are some of those habits or rituals that you found most valuable? I'd say first, you're, this is for me personally, but I operate best when my mind and body are healthy. So I wake up every day, rain or shine at 530. And the first thing I do is I work out. So I get in, a, in the right mindset and a healthy mindset first thing in the morning. I had to stop a really bad habit of mine, which was checking emails when you wake up. Worst thing to do because you go right into work mode and you don't even allow yourself time to, to wake up and, you know, have a good morning and, you know, get your game face on. So for me, it's getting up early. It's getting a good workout in and then getting ready for work. I'd say in terms of planning my schedule, I am extremely disciplined. In fact, I'm actually quite uncomfortable in sense where this doesn't happen is I am prepared for every single meeting. I actually get set up for every meeting the coming week by having a list of questions, a list of talking points, a separate document. I'm completely set up for every meeting and every interaction I'm going to have for the next week. Started with every day. I do it the night before. And then after a while, I started doing it on Thursday and Friday because here's the reason why. The unexpected happens every day. 
And if your normal way of operating is not in check and in order, then you cannot correctly react to obstacles that happen or challenges that happen that are unexpected. If you're not organized with your current schedule, there's no way you can handle the obstacles that are thrown at you that are unanticipated. So there's something very comforting when you you jump on a call and you jump on a meeting and, you know, again, a TA leader is, is on the phone constantly or in meetings constantly. So it's very common to be in anywhere between five to 10 meetings each day where you already walk in prepared and you already have your questions ready. You know, you're ready to take on and really be there and present for the individual you're meeting with because you just don't have a lot of time, a lot of spare time. So every minute that you're working is incredibly important and valuable. So again, it's mind and body and then being extremely organized and prepared. And then then you can tackle your day and your week. Makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Great advice. And it's a theme that I hear over and over again that successful people, one, avoid technology as their first thing they do, right? And we've all done it. I mean, we've all, and you know, and anyone listening to this would probably be lying if they said they don't or haven't looked at their phone first thing out or looked at their email. But what I've heard over and over and over again from successful people is that they avoid doing that. And I've also heard the mind body, it's it's a theme, right? If you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not in the right headspace, if you're not giving yourself the nourishment, the activity and the exercise and eating the right things, yeah, that, that could prove to be a problem for you reaching optimal performance. And then your, your second point is so, 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 so true. If you have a chaotic schedule, if you're not organized and if you don't know what you're going to do for the day or for the week, and I love that you're planning your full week in advance. Yeah. Then you're causing yourself to feel overwhelmed and stressed out unnecessarily. If you take the time, got to walk slow to start walking fast, take the time to get yourself dialed in from an organizational standpoint and know what you're doing. Calendar block, make sure you know what's happening every single day And it does take a bit of time to do, but you will have so much more peace of mind knowing what to expect so that when those are those unexpected interruptions, you're able to handle those in a way that's a lot more fluid and natural as opposed to kind of having this chaotic craziness that can exist in in busy people. I do want to shift gears for a moment, Lacey, and, and talk a little bit more about the candidate and how to best prepare them for their interview and prepare them for advancement. And so let's talk about some of the advice you have for a professional, somebody that wants to advance their career. Again, you you are that example of somebody that has done what it takes to move up the ladder and move into roles, moving from an individual to a leader, and then from a leader to overseeing an entire department. What ideas, suggestions, or general advice do you have for those that really do want to advance their career? I have a few. Number one, I'd say the most important is get really good at receiving feedback and become very appreciative of the nice way of saying areas of opportunity, but really we're saying negative feedback, right? Areas you need to work on. If you're not comfortable or you don't like hearing where some of your weaknesses are, you're really going to struggle growing and, um, you know, growing professionally and personally, right? So you've got to get really good at accepting feedback to the point where you're hungry for it and you ask for it. 
I'd say that's number one. Number two is really get good at developing relationships. And it could be something simple as just go to the happy hours. There are happy hours all the time at most companies. Go there, be present, be engaging, and get to know the people that you're working with. Get to know what makes them tick. They're going to tell you more about their role, what their goals are, what they're working on. That's really valuable for you because the more you can understand what's going around or going on around you, the better you're going to be able to make thoughtful decisions that impact a group larger than just the, yourself or the department that you're in. So get really good at you know, asking questions and, and getting to know the individuals that are around you because you'll start to see the more you have a better grasp of the larger landscape, the more individuals that are higher up in the organization are going to lean on you for thoughtful recommendations in terms of where the department should be headed or what changes need to be made. And all that starts with building relationships. Building relationships is so key to success. If you don't spend time doing it, the chances of you moving up are greatly minimized. You'd have to be a a truly special person if you have an inability to build relationships, yet you still get promoted. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the old adage is not what you know, it's who you know. It's true in the corporate environment. If you're able to forge those relationships, it opens doors, it opens opportunities. It gives you the chance to move up because somebody knows you, they like you, they trust you, you have a relationship with them and therefore they're going to give you more chances to move up. Lacey, when you think of the candidate experience and and interviewing specifically, what are some of those common pitfalls, mistakes, or areas of opportunity, as you said, that candidates have in interview setting? I've seen it all. (laughs) I've heard it all. I'd say the biggest mistake a candidate can make is not being prepared or being late. It's a sign of disrespect or it's it's a sign that you, you don't really care enough to be there on time and be ready. If it's an in-person interview, dress professionally. I mean, these are basics, right? Always bring multiple copies of your resume if you're going to an in-person interview because you never know. Sometimes an extra hiring manager or another individual may show up, usually if things are going really well. So always have an extra couple resumes on hand. In terms of other mistakes, When you're doing a video interview, which is very common these days, companies that do high volume or have a really strong employer brand will quite often put a on-demand video interview at the top of their interview funnel to actually reduce the the candidate funnel so the recruiters are speaking with the most qualified candidates, right? So if you're doing a video interview, be really mindful what's behind you. I've seen some inappropriate things in the background. Just make sure you're really mindful of what's behind you. Make sure your email address is professional. And the one bit of advice I'd give is when when you're about to go to an interview, be prepared with at least 10 or 15 different questions, very thoughtful questions. So when it comes to the point where, you know, really good recruiters will always leave time for questions for the candidate, have questions that are not just, you know, cookie cutter standard questions, questions that are important to you. If it's you know, what's the opportunity for growth in this position? Or what is a typical day in the life? Or tell me about the hiring manager. Tell me about the company culture. What do you like working? You know, what do you like best about working for this company? Is there any anything about my background that you, you know, you're concerned with? Or what do you, why do you think I'm a good fit for this? Don't be afraid to ask the candidate, do you think I'm a, or ask the recruiter, do you think I'm a good fit for this role? And if so, why? Right? I mean, be 
be very confident when you go into a, into an interview. And part of confidence is leading part of the, the conversation, which means come come prepared with questions and very thoughtful questions. There's nothing worse than when you're at the end of the interview and the recruiter says, great, do you have any questions for me? And it's silence. That is the worst thing that can happen. Yeah. I mean, I know some recruiters and hiring managers actually will, they'll say that is a deal breaker. That is it. If they don't ask questions, then they are pretty much out. And, you know, I think that's not necessarily the ideal way to think about it, but some actually do. I've heard this happen. And so just be prepared with some thoughtful and, and you've just shared a bunch of questions. Be, be, be ready to ask questions and be genuine about it. So you should be hungry for information about the company that you potentially are going to spend hours of your life working for in days and weeks and months. If you don't have questions, then you should really ask yourself, is this the type of company you want to work for? But before you have the interview, you need to get noticed, right? You need somebody, a recruiter to call you or contact you or somehow for there to be the opportunity to meet with this company. What tips do you have to help a a person seeking work, a professional looking for an opportunity to interview? How can they get noticed either on LinkedIn or otherwise so that recruiters actually find them? A couple of things. So one, it starts with your profile. I'd say with your profile, one, one great feature about LinkedIn is it'll tell you if your profile is complete and if not, to what percentage it's complete. And it'll provide you recommendations you need to fill out this part of your profile. You need to update your picture, whatever it is. LinkedIn will tell you what you need to have a completed profile. So that's number one. Number two, I would say is be very thoughtful of the picture you choose. So if you're really early on in your career, look at the uh, search in LinkedIn workers or employees that work for an industry that you want to work in and look at their pictures, right? And just take a similar picture or look at individuals who are in the type of job level that you're trying to get a job in and uh, take a picture in in that type of manner, right? So make sure you're wearing something very professional. Showing skin is definitely not appropriate. So in a a clear professional photo that also looks like you, right? And something that you can somewhat see your personality (laughs) in. No surprises. Right. Like it, it has to be your profile is a great way to not only just show what you've done and what skill, you know, what skills you've mastered and so on, but who are you and what have you accomplished? So for example, in when you're writing out your experience, one of the best things, and this is actually one thing recruiters always look for, is use numbers in, in every opportunity you can, mm. right? So talk about to, to really showcase your accomplishment. Think of who did you impact by how much, how long did you have to, to set that goal, Right. Think smart goals and what were the results of those smart goals and use that to paint the picture because those are things that are really easy for a recruiter to communicate to a hiring manager that speak the hiring manager's language. So use numbers in your the experience part of your profile and any opportunity you can. That's the profile part. You've got to be extremely proactive and reaching out to recruiters. Don't just sit around and wait for people to find you. You have to go after them. You connect with them. You can send a message when you're connecting with someone and it makes them more interested in accepting your connection. Look at the people can see who's viewed their profile. So check out people's profile. Learn about them and say something that speaks to you on their profile when you're connecting with them. Look at the leaders in the industry you're looking to work in. Look at the 
the power players and connect with them. Don't be afraid and start building your network. Even if it just starts with LinkedIn, that's a really great place to start because connections are huge and people are just looking for others to get to know in the industry. And if you've got a solid profile and you're proactively reaching out to others, there's going to be a really good shot that you're going to get yourself an interview. I love it. Such great advice. And, and don't be bashful on LinkedIn. It stands to reason that you can't uh, you know, just wait and hope. That's not a strategy. You can't just think that somehow randomly you're going to get noticed. Actually seek out. Think about who you want to work for and with. And then find out who those recruiters are, who potential leaders are that you could connect with and then open up some doors. And then your advice on the numbers, that might be the single best advice that I've heard in all of the interviews that I've done so far. And I got that advice when I showed my resume to a mentor of mine and the immediate feedback he had was there's no numbers. There was some numbers for earlier part of my career, but some of the more recent jobs I've had, I didn't put actual numbers to back up what I've done. So being vague is not a, a, a way that you're going to impress somebody. You got to be really clear. Hey, mm-hmm. not, not only did I improve the KPI, but I, how, by how much, what was the goal in what amount of time? Such, such great advice. I love that. Um, okay. So let's talk about core competencies. Clearly different roles are going to have different types of core competencies that exist. But if you're going to think of just some general core competencies that a person seeking employment w- should and, and, and is is, is desirable to have, what are some of those core competencies that you think consistently thematically need to exist in somebody seeking a, a job in a professional setting? Well, you said it best. It does depend on the job they're applying to, but there definitely are some core competencies that translate to pretty much every job out there. For one, just the way that the world is evolving, you need to be tech savvy. You need to know how to write a decent resume, how to send an email, how to send an attachment, how just how to navigate online, just the very basics, depending upon the role, of course, will determine whether or not you need to know Microsoft Office or different type of applications. But basic computer competency is is just expected today. Communication skills is critical, not just being able to have a thoughtful conversation with a recruiter, but be able to, and again, a lot of this will define a good recruiter, but also a great candidate is being able to really listen and answer the question that's actually being asked. There's really nothing more frustrating than when you ask a candidate a question (laughs) and they just go on a tangent that has absolutely nothing to do with what you asked. So really good communication skills and know when to listen and when to speak. I'd say flexibility is also really important. It shows the recruiter, it shows the hiring manager that you're adaptable. So whether it's a change in your schedule or you know, it's a it was a face to face, and now it's going to be a phone interview or whatever it is. Just showing that you're you're flexible and you've got a good attitude about it. That's also, of course, very attractive. And lastly, this one's a bit unique, but I, you've got to be able to demonstrate good decision making. I'm confident in saying for any role you apply for, and it's not just about your ability to make sound decisions, especially in a chaotic situation, but that you're willing to take responsibilities for the decisions made. A lot of times recruiters will ask, you know, tell me about your, you know, the biggest obstacle or the biggest mistake you made and what did you learn from it? They're looking for that decision making. They're looking to see, did you have critical thinking in that instance? Did you take responsibility for 
your actions? Did you repeat the same mistake or did you really learn from it? And, you know, were you humble in your way and are you coachable and are you sponge? Those things are very attractive to hiring managers because everybody makes mistakes. So if you're not willing to take responsibilities for some poor decisions you may have you may have made and you can't own up for it, it's not a good quality. Yeah, great. Thank you for sharing all of those insights. And, and you're right, you know, there's certain core competencies that need to exist and especially in the modern world and, and you've just outlined them. I have a two-part question and that is it's what do we do before the interview and then what do we do after? More specifically, how do we prepare and make sure we're set up for success before we have that first interview? And then how do we wow the, either the hiring manager or the recruiter after the interview? Before the interview, you want to research. Just It sounds so basic. It's so commonly forgotten. Read the website. Look at the about company section for the company that you're interviewing for. Look at the individuals who are leading the company and look at their backgrounds. Connect with them on LinkedIn. Doesn't matter if it's the president and CEO. Reach out to anybody at that company that you find interesting and you think is a power player, as well as just as importantly, the recruiter you're going to speak with and the hiring manager that you're confident that you're going to impress the recruiter and you will meet with the hiring manager. It shows confidence if you're connecting with the hiring manager before you even talk to the recruiter. So do your research, learn about the industry, learn about the company's successes and learn about the company's competitors. Mm. Because the more you know about the business, the more, you know, it's important to you as a candidate. Again, you're interviewing the recruiter as much as they're interviewing you. So make sure this is something that you want and you're passionate about it because that passion will come through in the interview. And if you're not, you're bored to tears. I promise you the recruiter is going to see it. So be prepared. That's before the interview. After the interview, it's so simple. Send a thank you note. It is very rare these days, but when it happens, it puts you as a candidate in a light that because it's so so rare, it still stands out. So it, it could be something as simple as send a thank you email to each individual that you spoke with and take note of what you spoke about in your conversation and mention it in the thank you email and send one specifically to each person. Do not send a group email someone to each person and comment on a question that they may have asked you and you had, you know, you wanted to elaborate on the question or, and you're genuinely appreciative of their time and you're looking forward to next steps. And if there's anything that they need, please don't, you know, please don't hesitate to reach out, right? You're, you're, it's another point of contact. It's an, you're, you're showing that you're proactive, that you're confident, that you were a good listener and that you're respectful of their time. And that you care, you care enough to take the time to, actually have that final or next point of communication and your point about showcasing that you were listening. Cause if you do speak about something or write about something specifically that you talked about with that individual, that stands out. It's not a group email. That's kind of just boilerplate that just makes it seem like all you had to do was press a button. You actually put some thought into it. You actually care. Mm -hmm. If you show you actually care amazing things happen. Uh, on the other hand, if you don't do anything, like you don't send anything, it just, you might've not really cared. So great advice. I, I have a couple more questions before we get into our lightning round, uh, which will be the end of our session today. Um, first question is what may surprise people about the talent acquisition space that we haven't learned yet today? It's really 
hard. (laughs) I think there's an assumption that recruiting is easy and it is not. Recruiting is, granted, it's, in my opinion, one of the most fun careers you can have and impactful careers, but it is not an easy job. A recruiting of of high-performing, full-functioning recruiting organization is a sales team, a lead gen team, an IT team, a marketing team, an HR team. They're all of it rolled into one. They are responsible for uh, determining the direction that the company takes because they're the gatekeepers deciding what talent is coming in the door. So if, if you're a hiring manager and you're listening to this, the, the best advice I can give you is just say thank you to your recruiter. Say it as much as you possibly can because there are countless conversations, countless emails, countless obstacles that recruiter is going through for you, for you to be able to meet with the group of individuals that have landed at your doorstep, right? It could be 50, 60, 100 different conversations for, you know, that top five or 10. So it is a fun job. It is a rewarding job, but it is a challenging job. And the best part of that is there's always an opportunity to learn something new. I've had an individual on my team who was one of our best recruiters. He actually started as a hiring manager for another recruiter on my team. And we recruited him in because we could just tell from his background in the retail space, he'd be an excellent recruiter with his gift of gab. But he started as a hiring manager, came over to our last our last um, company as a recruiter. And he had this true passion for recruiting technology and learning about you know the different recruitment marketing agencies that are out there, texting solutions or sourcing companies or pre-hire screening tools, you name it. It just, he loved it. And the great part about recruiting, especially in a, in a larger organization, is there's that opportunity there. And if you have the right mentor and the company is innovative enough and forward-thinking enough, you have an opportunity to really expand your skill set, which is pretty darn cool when you still can stick in the realm of one department, which is recruiting. Again, thank you for sharing such valuable information and and. I just want to echo what you said. It, it, sometimes being a recruiter is a thankless job, right? We put we put a lot on your plate. We have high expectations. When the wrong quote unquote wrong candidate comes in the door, we blame you. And you you're working from a place of, you know, all you're focused on is helping your hiring manager be as successful as possible and providing them the highest level of talent possible. And it's all positive intention. It's all coming from a place of of how can you support and help them thrive and be successful. And so take the time to show that you appreciate them. And and a simple thank you goes a long way. So one more question before the lightning round. And that question is, what else might be valuable for the listener to hear? You have a unique perspective being that you've been in the talent acquisition space for as long as you've have, you've seen so much, you've experienced so much. And and the audience listening, they're they're either somebody like looking to start their career, advance their career, or elevate and grow as a leader and, and even as an entrepreneur. What advice do you have for the listener that hasn't yet been shared? I'd say that as you grow and progress in your career, you're, you know, if you if you do your job well and you're dedicated, motivated, and so on, you, you should be offered opportunities for advancement. And the best advice I could give is don't let fear of a new role or new responsibility or new project or whatever it is cloud your judgment. If someone is offering you an opportunity, 
to take on something new, they clearly see something in you that maybe you don't even see, but it's there for a reason and grasp it and jump on it and understand it's okay to make mistakes. You most likely will make mistakes. Again, everybody does, but don't let the fear of the unknown or the, or the fear of failing stop you from growing and doing something new because it's very common that what you start your career in is not what you end in. Again, I started in B2B sales and it grew into this incredible career in talent acquisition and recruiting. Again, there's a lot of sales there and I love selling every day, but just know, embrace every opportunity that you're given and jump on it because you never know what you're going to learn. You never know how much you're going to grow for it. And you never know what's going to come after it. Embrace the uncomfortable. If you're not getting out of your comfort zone, you're probably not growing. It might be a little bit scary, but you will be better off for it. Speaking of a little bit scary, we're going to get into the lightning round. And this is the part of the show (laughs) where I ask you a question and it's either an emotional state or an experience And I just want you to give me your immediate gut reaction. And the first question is, what excites you? Uh, Challenges. I know that's crazy, but I love solving a problem that no one's ever solved, that having an obstacle that looks completely impossible and crushing it. That doesn't surprise me about you. What (laughs) what scares you? Um, Being bored. (laughs) Being bored to tears and, you know, doing the same thing all day, every day. I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. And that's the beauty of what you do. It's always new and different and exciting and fun. You get to talk to people and yes, it's incredibly hard, but as you pointed out, it's also incredibly fun. Who's the most inspirational person in your life and why? Okay. I'm going to say my parents, both of them, but for two totally different reasons. One is my mother. My mother has, not only is she just the most caring, loving, she's just the mama bear. If you can picture one, she's so good at remembering dates and I'm terrible at it. <laughs> so I've, I've taken that into my professional career and I remember anniversaries. I say, you know, happy one year anniversary, two year anniversary, whatever it is. Someone goes on PTO. I remember where, you know, where they said they were going. Um, I remember to ask them about it. If someone has two or three kids, you remember their names, you remember how old they are. Remembering the little things are super important. And that's 100% my mom. My mom reminds me of things that are going on that I tend to forget. So she's incredible. And then my dad, My dad is the hardest working individual I have ever known. He gets up and commutes five to six hours a day and has done it for 50 years without one complaint. Wow. And he has always said to me since I was a little girl, which was work smarter, not harder. And I think he said in a way that I would, I would tackle my career differently than he did, which, you know, I ended up wanting to just be, you know, my daddy's little girl and do exactly what he did. And he gave me the best compliment about a month ago, which I don't even think he realized was the most meaningful compliment. But he said, you know, Lacey, somehow I've been telling you all these years, work smarter, not harder. Somehow you've managed to do both. And that was such a a phenomenal compliment to get from somebody that I just admire more than I couldn't even put into words. Mm, so powerful. And I love that your mom's ability to remember numbers, even though it may not be your natural gift or your natural tendency that you've worked on it and you've remembered how important it is. And therefore you've applied it to your own routine and your own 
work that, you know, you know how important it is to remember the little things. So Lacey, if you had a chance, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? I would tell my 20-year-old self to not be so hard on myself. I, I faked it. I faked the confidence, fake it till you make it. But I didn't have that true, true confidence that I could have, that I think would have made me grow um, honestly faster. And earlier on, I was so overly critical mm. of every mistake I made of, you know, did I have that conversation the right way? Was I too harsh? Was I too passive? Right? And it's one thing to be self-aware. It's another thing to be overly critical and as I was growing up, I should have uh, growing up in my 20s, because let's be honest, you're still growing up when you're in your 20s. I really wish I would have gone a bit easier on myself and just let that confidence sink in versus constantly reminding myself where my weaknesses are yeah. and putting more focus on where my strengths were. Not uncommon. It's not uncommon. A high achiever puts a lot of pressure on themselves. So not surprising. Do you have any regrets in life? If so, what are they? I wouldn't really call it regret. I think what I just mentioned is probably one one area I would have hoped I would wish I would have changed, which is learning confidence earlier on. You know, it's some people associate a title with success. I don't believe in that. I feel as long as you do what you love, you feel you're good at it and you're learning and you're growing every day, that's success, right? The titles will come, the money will come. But as long as you you do what you love, you're successful. I wish I would have learned that earlier on. And <laughs> instead of you know, oh, this person got promoted or, oh, I haven't received recognition in six months. I must be doing something wrong, yeah. right? You've got to have that that confidence <sighs> because if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. Yeah, we're our own worst critics sometimes. So clearly you can answer this question because you yourself have, have started in this industry and, and, and elevated your career. What advice would you give someone who's just starting out their journey in the world of talent acquisition? I would say... Be authentic. Uh, I have seen individuals early on and frankly, you know, quite senior in their roles, try to be someone they're not, try to be someone that they think their manager wants to see, or mm. they think they need to be now that they work in this job or in this department. And it just is inauthentic. It it's It's just not natural. It just doesn't work. And it's you're going to end up being that individual where others are thinking, there's just something off. I can't put my finger on it, right? You've got to be who you are. There, Everybody has something about them that makes them shine and makes them stand out. And if you're really lucky, you have more than one thing, right? It's about embracing what makes you, you, and don't be shy about it. And it, it starts with your LinkedIn profile. It starts with your phone interview, your in-person interview, when you are meeting with somebody in person, even if you're it's your first interview and you're so nervous, have that eye contact, have that firm handshake, have that smile on your face and fake it until you start to really understand who you are. Even if you're still learning who you are, embrace what makes you different, what makes you unique and capitalize on it. Because that's what's going to make you grow and be successful. Yeah. And, and people see right through phoniness. They see right through it. So be yourself, be comfortable in your own skin. Such great advice. So the last question I have for you is probably a tough one. You've had a lot of success in your life, a lot of uh, milestones that you've reached that you set off to accomplish. Of everything, what achievement are you most proud of? 
I would say being able to identify someone very early on in their career. And I've actually done this more than once. So I feel very blessed to be able to speak to this, but to identify somebody very early on their career and become their mentor and to help this person grow and evolve and overcome obstacles that there's just this sense of pride that you can't explain when you start to see someone run their first meeting successfully, not get nervous when they're public speaking, be able to become much more proactive versus reactive become a strategic thinker, critical thinker, be able to see, you know, a few months down the line versus, okay, I need to make a decision for, you know, what's at stake today and tomorrow. I need to understand how does this impact what happens in a few months or next year? How does this impact this group or that group? To to teach somebody to go from somebody who's very entry level and very green in their career to the point where they're a strategic thinker and just as importantly, a good leader, somebody who others want to work for, who others want to impress, others want to make them proud. Having been able to do that a handful of times in my career, I am so incredibly thankful for. Well, I'm incredibly thankful for you and for the opportunity that we've had to not only become friends, and work together, but just, I I learned from you on this show and and throughout uh, our journey. I'm grateful for our friendship. I'm so grateful that we had the opportunity to meet today and to talk. You're a true success story. Lacey mentioned, thanks for being on Inside Out. Thank you, Billy. It's absolutely my pleasure. It's been fantastic. Thank you for listening to this episode of Insight Out. I hope you enjoyed the show and I really hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in your career, in your business, or in your life. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate the show on your favorite podcast platform. This is extremely helpful and I can't tell you how much I would appreciate it. Also, if you haven't checked out our website yet, you can find us on the interweb at insightoutshow.com. On the site, you'll find tons of great content, including all of our podcast episodes, videos, blog posts, and the all-important link to support this show through Patreon. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's an amazing platform that helps creators gain the support they need to continue creating. And remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out.